You know, we should always be prepared. It's immaterial when we are asked to share. And I'm always ready, actually. The only thing is I wait on the Lord to tell me what message is needed. Today I want to speak to you about serious expectations. Because ultimately, we are what we believe and trust. You know, when he wrote the book of Philippians to the Macedonian church, the Apostle Paul was in a Roman prison. And this is what he wrote to them in uh, chapter 1 of Philippians, verses 19 and 20. He said, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul here very clearly vocalizes his expectations for deliverance from prison. The saints were praying for him. And he knew that there was a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For just one moment, I want you to think of this word supply. In the Greek language, literally, it means to provide whatever is necessary. The Holy Spirit will provide the necessary wisdom. The necessary strength. The necessary patience. Or a miraculous intervention. In other words, whatever is necessary to accomplish the task. The Holy Spirit will supply. The way God has given us access to that supply. Is prayer. And Paul said, I know it is going to turn out for my deliverance. Because you are praying. And because I realize that the Holy Spirit will supply everything that is needed. In accordance to my sincere expectation. In other words, what I want you to notice here that much of what we experience from God is in direct proportion to our serious expectations. 
տևով կապված է մեր սпасողությունից։ ուրինակեթե <speaking> <speaking> որ աստված փարաբանվի իմ կյանքից միջոցով for his influence and the expansion of his kingdom to take place through me որ իր թակավորությունը ավելի ընդհարձակվի իմ միջոցով if we don't have the second expectation եթե երկրորդ հոգևոր սпасողությունը մենք ունենալ we end up being selfish and self-centered believers շատ անձնասեր հավատացյալներ ենք լինում in other words our total expectations are self-centered մի ուրիշ խոսքով մեր ամեն սпасողությունները ազնասերության վրա է հիմա։ Now Psalm 78:19 Սաղմոս 78:19-րդ գլխի մեջ այսպես է ասում։ Tells us about the attitude of God's people մարդկանց վերաբերմունքն է քրիստոնյաների վերաբերմունքի մասին է խոսում։ Whom he freed from slavery նրանց որ ինքը ազատել է բանդարկությունից։ And provided all their worldly needs Եվ նրանց բոլոր աշխարական կարիքները գոհացրել էր։ In Psalm 78:19 it says yes they spoke against God. Ասում է այո նրանք աստու դեմ խոսեցին։ They said can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Նրանք աղակեցին արդյոք աստված կարող է մի սեղան պատրաստել մեզ համար անապատի մեջ։ They lusted for meat. The manna that God gave them was not enough for them. Manan vor astvats amen ortvel er nirants nirants hamar bavakan cher. God provided, God granted their desire. Astvats nirants bolor karikneri hokats. But the unfortunate part about it there was ingratitude in their souls. Pastranov handers dzhgohutyun kar nirants hokineri mech. The lust after bread and meat and the constant grumbling against God They were only the outward symptoms of an internal sickness. God took care of the worldly need. But they were withered and dried spiritually inside. You know to be physically and materially blessed եթե մենք ուզում ենք մարմնապես եւ հոգեպես օրնված լինենք but spiritually shriveled բայց հոգեպես փթած ոչնչացած is not god's plan for any of his people 
You know, in Revelation chapter 3, the Laodicean Christians had all the material supply they needed on the physical level. And Jesus tells them, actually you don't get it. You are poor, he says to them. You are miserable. You are wretched and blind and naked. You do not see all because of your focus is just on the worldly. You know, I have some temporal expectations for my life. And for our church. But I also have eternal expectations. That the Lord Jesus Christ would glorify, will be glorified, glorified through my life. And through the church. You know, I want you to consider the word earnest. In this verse regarding earnest expectations. In other words, what it is implying, it is not some wild thing that we dream up. It is something we seriously expect. And we seriously trust. Psalm 27, 13 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now this speaks of expectation. It is about seeing God's goodness, not when I go to heaven, but in this land where I live, in, amongst the living. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait with expectancy on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. And then he, 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 he stresses on this. He says, wait, I see, on the Lord. Wait, I say. Wait on the Lord. You see, the psalmist is saying, look, I have learned a lesson here. I would have lost heart. I would have given up if I did not have an expectation to see God's goodness in my life in the land of the living. And he is telling us, take, take a lesson from me and wait expectantly on the Lord. And it goes on to say that this expectation should be now. In other words, expect to see good things in your life. 
Expect to see good things in your family. Expect to see good things in your future. Lamentations 3.25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait hopefully and expectantly for him. And you know, you will actually get pretty much what you are expecting. Now, either good or bad, even on a completely natural level, if I spoke just on, you know, on worldly level, expectation has power. And here I am not even mentioning the spiritual because in the spiritual it has greater power. You know, in the book of Second Kings, there is a story that is of interest. There was famine going on in the city because it was totally besieged. The enemy army was outside blockading things. There was no food. In fact, it had gotten so desperate that some people within the city walls had resorted to cannibalism. Now the king, the king suddenly, not suddenly, he reasons through and he says, surely this is from the Lord. And he decides to go and talk to the prophet. Now, in the midst of this, as he goes to the prophet, the prophet gives his prophecy. In this terrible middle of circumstances, the word of the Lord was spoken by a prophet named Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 7 verses 1 and 2, it says, then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel. And two sales of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, an officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man. And he said to the, to the prophet, Look here. Be realistic. If the Lord would make windows in heaven, can this thing be? In other words, don't be stupid. And the prophet looked at him and he applied to him. He faced it to him, in fact, you shall see it with your own eyes 
but you shall not eat of it. And what Elisha had prophesied was completely in contradiction with the facts of the famine. They were eating each other. Incredibly, incredibly, God worked the miracle. And he brought it about through a very interesting means. He used four lepers to bring the miracle about. Now of all the things, this officer, whom the king trusted, who showed zero expectation, the story continues about him, it says in 17 and verses 17 to 20, it says the king appointed him as an officer of the gate. To regulate the people. But the people trampled him. In the gate. And he died just as the man of God said. Why I am telling you this. Is because in the end this man received just what he expected. He thought and said it was impossible. And it became impossible for him. Though the miracle happened in front of his eyes, he did not partake of it. And you can find yourselves in the same way. You can find that God blessing others, but you are unable to taste from it. Because you have set boundaries and borders due to your own expectations. What are you expecting? What are your serious expectations? What about this year? What are you seriously expecting to happen before this year ends, finishes? What are you what what are you expecting for your future lives? Your finances. The influence that God can have and will have through your life into the lives of others. What are you expecting? Do you trust that God can put your feet on the pathway of a process and bring you to the place of abundance and blessing as he promises in his word. Well, let me give you a good way of gauging your expectations. 
Listen to what you say as a habit of life. Listen to what you say. What has been coming out of your mouth regularly? Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, our expectations are constantly vocalized in our daily speech. And it would be worthwhile to take a good, hard, honest look at the things that are coming out of our mouth, uh, mouth and we are saying. Because in the end, you will not rise above those expectations. You will put limitations and boundaries around you and you say, well, this is up to the extent that God can act according to my expectations. Let us consider some important reasons why we should lift our sights and have great expectations for the future. Expect great things because God gives us exceedingly great and precious promises. Amen. Second Peter verses, uh, chapter one verses two and four. Says grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You know, we share of God's divine nature through the promise. The promise connects us to the nature of God. God's promises are, are, is our pipeline that allows God's nature to flow to us. So whatever you need, God's nature holds the answer. His nature, his nature is health, peace, abundance. Now notice the promises are called exceedingly great and precious. You know there is a very short list in the Bible of the things that God deems precious in the Bible. I can think of one that Peter uses when he says, you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
մի բաներով, որ նա կարող է ոչնչանա, այլ դուք գմբերեք աստու արյան միջոցով, որ երբ եք չի ապանեք։ God puts his promises just as precious as the blood of Jesus. We expect, we should expect great things because he gives great promises. Amen. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, I expectantly where they were removing trees that needed to go out in order to make new streets. In one tree, the foreman of this team saw a bird's nest in a tree. And in it, he saw a mother bird and some, some little chicks in it. He decided to save that tree for last, just to give those birds a chance. Now the team that was working with him knew him as a very tough, bad guy. And they laughed at him because he was a hard guy and here he is showing certain emotion that is gentle. His behavior did not relate to his character. At any rate, they, they saved the tree for the very last. Before they cut it down, somebody puts a ladder, goes up to the tree to the, to the nest. And sure enough, he finds that the little, little, little chicks have grown up and flew away. The mama bird had gone from the nest. But he saw something white shimmering in the nest. And he pulled it out. And what it was, it was a piece of paper of a child's Sunday school card. And on the card was printed this verse, which is from Proverbs 29, 25. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be saved. Safe. The man took it down. The man took it down. And he showed it to the supervisor and the others. And it had a profound, profound influence on everybody. Because in the end it was so unusual for their boss to do what he has done. 
And the fact, that, the fact that God would take care of the little bird. A lot of them began to consider the reality of God through that. But what I want to tell you tonight is that his eye is on the sparrow and his eye is on you. You can trust in his promises and believe me, they are exceedingly great and precious. Secondly, Expect great things. Because we have a record of those God helped in the past. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12. Talking to, uh, to believers, he says, make sure that you do not become sluggish. But imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Others have inherited the promises before us. And what is most important is that we have scriptural record of them. We have David, we have Moses, we have Joshua, we have the prophets, we have so many. The whole, the whole of the New Testament is Nor written about how God has, has fulfilled his, the expectations of his people. But we have people even in our time all around us who have experienced the fulfillment of a promise of God. And believe me, you don't have to go very far to find the testimonies of people sharing what God has done in their lives. You find them on the internet. You can find them in books. You can find them in magazines and periodicals. God has done things in people's lives. You know, I was recently speaking at a conference. Where the pastor was sharing the story of a lady who did not have, who did not seem to have the ability of making ends meet. She stood up and said that she could not and she trusted on the Lord. She was working two jobs. And God gave her an unexpected promotion in both jobs. Her need was met and there was beyond. God is working in the lives of people. We can be encouraged from that. As we listen to other people's stories, 
We realize that God is not a respecter of persons. And what he does for others, he will do for us. And yet we still have to do our part. Now this lady I mentioned was working in two jobs. She was doing her part because faith certainly does receive. You see, faith is also an act. And faith must be expressed through actions. When we begin to move, to get up and move, when we begin to do our part, God does his part. You see, God is still on the throne. He is still in charge and sovereign. And he is personally and individually involved in each person's life. Believers especially. The third thing is that we should expect great things because God is great. And he does great things. Now the Bible talks about God's greatness. And I am going to read to you 36 points. I have the consecutive uh, verses, but I'm not going to say the verses. He is called the great and awesome God. He is our exceedingly great reward. He is called the great king. The great high priest. The great shepherd. He has great mercy. Great power. Gives great deliverance. Has a great name. Gives great rewards. He lays up great goodness. He does great works. He performs great wonders. He gives great peace. Shows great kindness towards us. Has great glory. Great in power. Great in counsel. The total sum of his thoughts for us are great. Great is his faithfulness. Performs great signs. He has great armies. He gives great light. He has great zeal. He prepares a great fish, a great winds, and great hopes. His coming day is called great. He brings great peace and calm to stormy seas. He brings great joy. He gives great grace. 
He opens great and effective doors. He loves us with a great love. He has wrought for us a great salvation. He has exceedingly great and precious promises. He gives great authority. He will, sit, he will sit on a great white throne to judge. And finally, he has prepared for us a great city. You know, his wisdom is unsearchable. His Compassion unquenchable. His clemency cannot be calculated. Clemency. His blessings are boundless. His plans are unstoppable. His guidance is sure. His provision is prepared. His angels already have been dispatched. And his church is becoming glorious. His care is continual. His eyes are ever watchful. His defenses are impenetrable. And he, and he has set his heart on you. On you. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Jesus sent, has sent us the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, whom Jesus said he would testify for him. You know in your hearts that I am telling you the truth. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness that we serve a great God. That Jesus is a great high priest. A great shepherd. And he has great care concerning the needs of your life. Now, if you have been worrying about something, or if something has robbed you of the quality of life that you know is possible for you to have, my question to you is why not hand it to him tonight? Why not hand it him to him now? In the end, remember. Jesus said, come to me. He repeated these words many times. Come to me. Come to me. Come and hear. Come and listen. Come, I give you wisdom. Come and ask. Knock. How many times has he said, come? Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What are you expecting God to do in your life? 
What are you expecting before this year is finishing? Are you expecting the year to finish strongly for you? I expect that for my life. I expect that this year will be the best of my life. So far. And next year even better still if I'm alive. I expect this for my church. I expect it for all of us. It is yours. It has been given. It's entirely up to you to take. You know, many a time I have heard people come to me and they go on their knees and they say, Lord, give me more authority. And I have often said to them, what happened in Genesis, in the very first chapter of Genesis, when God created everything and all his bounty was there, he gave authority to who? He gave authority to man. Was Satan there? Yes, they was. Was he given that authority? No. But God gave the whole authority to man, all the authority to man. He said, the only other authority above you is just me, nobody else. Yes. And then when we come to the Lord and we decide that we don't want to continue in our previous lives and repent and come to the Lord and the Holy Spirit comes to us. What actually is happening is simply we are saying, Satan, I want my authority back. Give it to me. And he doesn't want to give it. Why go back to God and say, give me authority? You have it, it is yours, you gave it, you want to take it back, he doesn't want to fight him. Why do you need to wrestle with God? God is on your side. Your enemy is there, he has taken something that does not belong to him. Take it back. The authority is yours. All the expectations are yours. All the promises are yours. May God bless you. I don't want to go further because there are other things we need to do. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I do thank you for your word. I do thank you for making me the instrument of your words. Lord, take these words and minister to each heart, to each mind, and to each one of us in accordance to our need. Lord, you are the Lord of our weaknesses, not our strengths. You are our Father, 
and you know what each one of us needs in time and the place. We thank you in Jesus' name. We are grateful to you. We don't want to be like the Israelites. Father, we have a heart full of gratefulness, and we shall enter your presence with praise and gratitude. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.